You're listening to Martin Wolf's podcast from the Financial Times. The case of the NatWest 3 has stirred up huge concern among business people in the UK. This week, however, we learn that the three former NatWest bankers have all pleaded guilty to wire fraud. So was this just much British ado about nothing? My answer is no. The fact that these three men pleaded guilty does not prove they were. It demonstrates instead that the offers made by US prosecutors are of a kind sensible people cannot refuse. The pressures the former can exert make it rational, even for the innocent, to plead guilty. I do not know whether that happened here, but it would not be very surprising. This case had yet another disturbing feature, the fact that the three men were extradited under a treaty agreed with the U.S. in 2003 that allows U.S. courts to extradite people without establishing a prima facie or preliminary case in a British one. Many believe the good reason for this change was the need to cooperate over terrorism. Yet it has, in practice, been used extensively against British business people by U.S. prosecutors who are targeting white-collar crime. Because so many British businesses have some U.S. involvement, their vulnerability to this judicial activism is self-evident. What made the case of the NatWest 3 more remarkable is that the bank, alleged victim of the fraud, never pressed for a British investigation of the events. Yet why should anybody object to the extradition of suspects to face U.S. justice? Is America not, after all, a veritable bastion of the rule of law? The answer, I fear, is alas, no. The urge to find guilt has overwhelmed the presumption of innocence on which Anglo-Saxon justice is based. It is easy to understand the frustration that ambitious prosecutors and populist politicians feel over the difficulty in sending criminals to prison. But hard cases make bad law. This is a good example of that axiom. Plea bargaining is effective because of four salient features of American justice. The exceptional severity of punishment, the justified terror of what might happen in prison, the uncertain outcome of fighting cases before juries, and the possibility of obtaining a far lighter sentence by agreeing to pleas of guilty. In the case of the NatWest Three, the accused faced the possibility of up to 35 years in prison for their alleged offences. It is a reflection of the gulf in culture that has grown up between the US and the UK, that what are in effect life sentences might be imposed for their alleged involvement in helping Andrew Fasto, then Enron's chief financial officer, defraud Enron. Such a sentence would be far longer than all but the tiniest proportion of murderers could expect to serve in the UK. Yet apparently it is regarded as perfectly reasonable in the US. Nor is this all. A sentence in a US prison, particularly for middle-class men, is likely to be entry into a lifetime of torment. Indeed, a few cynical Americans responded to complaints about what had happened to Iraqi inmates in Abu Ghraib by arguing that it could not truly be torture, since it was no worse than what might happen to inmates of a U.S. prison. Now imagine that you might face such a sentence if found guilty. Imagine, too, that you believed yourself innocent of all charges 
but recognized the complexity of the case and the ease with which a prosecutor might twist evidence against you before an uninformed, perhaps prejudiced, jury. You might suppose you had a one in five chance of being found guilty. That would be particularly plausible if you had run out of financial resources and so were unable to retain a first-rate legal team. What would you do if the prosecutors offered a plea bargain under which you would serve just 37 months in prison in your home country and pay, in this case, $7.3 million in restitution to the Royal Bank of Scotland, now the owner of NatWest? The answer is that most people would plead guilty, not because it was true, but because it is what any risk-averse human being would do. To my mind, this system is tantamount to extracting confessions of guilt under a form of psychological torture. That torture consists of the reasonable fear of being found guilty and fear of the length of time one might then serve in prison and of what might happen while one was there. All but exceptionally brave people will confess to almost anything to escape even the possibility of torture. In the same way, the majority of people would surely confess to almost anything to avoid the possibility of spending the rest of their lives in prison. Recognition of the meaninglessness of confessions extracted under threat of torture was the main reason civilized jurisdictions abandoned its use. The same objection applies to pleas of guilty made under the kind of plea bargaining employed in the case of the NatWest Three. Let me be clear, I am not asserting that the men are innocent, but the fact that they have made a plea of guilty does not prove their guilt either. It could just as well show that the U.S. judicial system has a potent machine for extracting pleas of guilty to lesser charges. In this way, it has also effectively eliminated a presumption of innocence. It is for this reason not a system with which the U.K. should retain its current extradition arrangements. At the least, the U.S. must be asked to make a prima facie case. The conclusion is that simple. Thank you for listening. To read Martin Wolf's columns online, please go to www.ft.com forward slash wolf.